welcome to the St. Michael Easter podcast series. My name is Mary Lessman, and I'll be leading our meditation today. Our theme this Easter is, Come, Follow Me. Jesus calls us to follow, and together we turn that call into acts of love. May your Easter season be filled with the love of Christ. If then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above, where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. A reading from the first letter of Peter, chapter 3, verse 13, to chapter 4, verse 6. Now who will harm you if you are eager to do what is good? But even if you do suffer for doing what is right, you are blessed. Do not fear what they fear, and do not be intimidated, but in your hearts sanctify Christ as Lord. Always be ready to make your defense to anyone who demands from you an account of the hope that is in you. Yet do it with gentleness and reverence. Keep your conscience clear, so that when you are maligned, those who abuse you for your good conduct in Christ may be put to shame. For it is better to suffer for doing good, if suffering should be God's will, than to suffer for doing evil." For Christ also suffered for sins once for all, the righteous for the unrighteous, in order to bring you to God. He was put to death in the flesh, but made alive in the Spirit, in which also he went and made a proclamation to the spirits in prison, who in former times did not obey, when God waited patiently in the days of Noah during the building of the ark, in which a few, that is, eight people, were saved through water. And baptism, which this prefigured, now saves you, not as a removal of dirt from the body, but as an appeal to God for a good conscience through the resurrection of Jesus Christ, who has gone into heaven and is at the right hand of God, with angels, authorities, and powers made subject to him. Since therefore Christ suffered in the flesh, arm yourselves also with the same intention, For whoever has suffered in the flesh has finished with sin. So as to live for the rest of your earthly life, no longer by human desires, but by the will of God. You have already spent enough time in doing what the Gentiles like to do, living in licentiousness, passions, drunkenness, revels, carousing, and lawless idolatry. They are surprised that you no longer join them in the same excesses of dissipation, and so they blaspheme. But they will have to give an account to him who stands ready to judge the living and the dead. For this is the reason the gospel was proclaimed even to the dead, so that, though they had been judged in the flesh as everyone is judged, they might live in the Spirit as God does. Here ends the reading. Why do we suffer? And can we draw redemptive meaning from our suffering? These are big questions, questions the people of God have been asking since questions began. And it is the focus of today's passage from 1 Peter. This letter was written near the end of the first century to Christians in Asia Minor who were suffering for their faith. The author offers words of encouragement and hope to people who are being persecuted, entreating them to remain strong in their faith. By their example of patient suffering and unavenged injustice, these Christians might draw more people to faith in Christ. 
Since we don't get to see the letter they may have sent in response, we don't know how these words were received. But if the Christians in Asia Minor are anything like us, the call to patient suffering probably got a less than enthusiastic reception. Today, suffering has become a dirty word, a sign of failure, our deepest fear. We seem to believe we should be perpetually healthy and happy. And if we fail to live up to the societal standard of what is normative, we become a problem to be solved or a project to be rehabilitated. We Americans might be especially susceptible to this avoidance and denial, as if our constitutional right to the pursuit of happiness also guarantees a life free of suffering. Yet such thinking is far from the witness of Scripture. Some of God's favorite people had a very hard time of it, and their lives included great suffering. What matters is not a life free of suffering. What matters is how we make sense of our suffering. One approach is to make suffering a spiritual discipline, something to be not simply endured, but embraced. Suffering as a divine emblem that we wear proudly, that becomes part of our identity. This sort of thinking is the source of much unnecessary pain in the world. In centuries past, this might be represented by the wearing of hair shirts and self-flagellation. Even more troubling, today it might be represented by someone being counseled to remain in an abusive relationship for the sake of the marriage or the children. Similarly unsatisfying is the view that suffering that does exist is the will of God. If God causes suffering, which is unpredictable and undeserved, then God becomes a capricious deity who does not appear to love us. Why would we put our trust in such a God? And if it is God's will that some suffer, then we have little motivation to intervene. This might be represented by throwing up our hands at hunger, pain, or death, not only in our own communities, but in other parts of the world. Why would we try and alleviate suffering if God ordains it? But these kind of theological justifications for unnecessary suffering are offensive. What we need is a more robust understanding of suffering. Our text reminds us that Jesus suffered terribly before he died on the cross. Yet his suffering was not caused by God. Rather, it was the result of Jesus' faithfulness to his mission of reconciling us to God. By suffering and dying, Jesus not only defeated the power of death, but defeated the power of suffering as well. Through his life, suffering, death, and resurrection, Jesus has become the one who accompanies us, the one who walks with us. There is no experience, tragedy or triumph, joy or sorrow, that is unknown to him. Even when we suffer, perhaps especially when we suffer, Jesus is with us. As Paul tells us in his letter to the Romans, nothing, nothing can separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus. In suffering, we enter the depths. We are at the heart of things. 
we come near to where Christ was on the cross. While God might not ordain suffering, there is much that suffering can teach us. The example of the people of God and what I've seen in my own life is that suffering carried well can grow our compassion, our fortitude, and our solidarity with the pain of others and of God's world. Suffering is part of being human and not something alien to our condition. But our suffering is not a burden for us to carry alone. It is not a punishment for our missteps or sin. Whether we sense his presence or not, Jesus carries us in our suffering. He wipes our brow and holds us close and whispers that not only will he never leave us, but he will be with us to rejoice when our suffering is complete. Amen. Please join me as we continue with the Lord's Prayer. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. Almighty and everlasting God, who in the Paschal mystery established the new covenant of reconciliation, grant that all who have been reborn into the fellowship of Christ's body may show forth in their lives what they profess by their faith. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, forever and ever. Amen. Amen.